Hello and welcome to Sumo Mainichi. I'm Amy. I'm here with Dave in Melbourne, Australia. And we are in between the Nagoya and Aki Basho. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, happy to be sitting down uh, and talking sumo. Yeah. Uh, this morning, as you said, uh, we normally bring you uh, coverage or a podcast episode every day of the Basho, but we thought we'd try something a little bit different here. Yeah. Uh, some of the content that we used to do, we miss doing. Yeah. And that's just talking about the things that don't happen on the doyo, essentially, right? Yeah. So it's the things around sumo, uh, some of the characters, some of the things that they say, some of the songs they sing. Yeah. And we thought, why don't we sit down on a Sunday morning, finish our coffee and just talk sumo. Yeah, that's what we've been wanting to do. We've missed it. Uh, we do go off and do other things in between, but the sumo keeps happening and we're noticing, you know, particularly at the moment that there's so much going on and we were seeing it all and we just wanted to talk about it. I really missed sumo karaoke. Yeah, well, I've dug out uh, a special selection of songs that we'll present a little later on. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and, and I guess we've got we've had some time to reflect, some time to think about what happened. We love a reflection. Back in Nagoya. <laughs> yeah. And and I think it's it's worth taking a moment before, you know, because once Aki starts. Mm, then it's all happening. Yeah, and history stops. Yeah. And all you think about is the sumo. Hoshoryu obviously took the U show back in July, beating Hokuto Fuji in that very, very exciting playoff. He's now on Yozeki. How did you feel about that U show you know, six weeks later? I felt really good. I felt good when he was promoted straight away. Like we knew it was going to happen. They kind of announced it uh, and asked him how he felt about it during his uh, acceptance speech, um, during his, his U show speech. And so we all knew it was going to happen and it happens quite quickly. I think that's a good idea. I love how it just, it's just snappy because so much in sumo can take a while to happen, but it's the Wednesday after. It just that's, happens straight away. I was going to say, it was literally days after they, they got together and said, this boy is our new Ozeki. Uh, Hoshoryu is our seventh Mongolian Ozeki. Mm-hmm. Pretty incredible. After yeah. Kirishima, obviously, uh, back in May. Yeah, the Mongolian's dominating at the oh, moment. Absolutely. The new promotions. Well, two. Oh, yeah. Now, Hoshoryu as Ozeki, we, we've seen, I mean, it's certainly over the last few years, it's a tough job being an Ozeki. We've mm. spoken about it before. I, I've even proposed a different model of Ozeki, which is, yeah. the, I call it the second chance model, which <laughs> is, I can't quite remember the details. It was very complicated, but it means it's so hard to get to Ozeki. It feels... Um, I think it might have been a third chance model because there is a second chance <laughs> oh, model. Oh, yeah, there is a second chance model. I think, I think there might have been more chances, more chances over a longer period of time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it was something like, so Kataban is our second chance yeah. system. <laughs> if you uh, fall from Ozeki, the very next Basho, if you get 10 wins, you can come back. Oh, yeah. And so what I'm talking about is it's called second Kataban, <laughs> Yeah. but then you've got to get 11 wins. Uh-huh. Third Cardabon, oh. 12 wins. It gets harder and harder. Oh, are you making but, this up on the spot? I sure am. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea. I don't mind it. Yeah. It's complicated to keep track of. I think that's the only thing because you know how sometimes how during a basho you're, you're talking about someone and you forget their Cardabon and then you forget that it's the, yeah. the basho after that where they can get the 
the 10 when they first go down to Sekiwake. And mm. like, if there was this model, you'd never have any idea what's going no, on. No, I mean, you'd need to track it. You need to keep a spreadsheet. That's for <laughs> sure. But could you imagine someone, you know, I mean, think of Takayasu after he left Ozeki four tournaments after that. Yeah. Goes 14-1 and gets back to Ozeki. Yes. I mean. The drama there would the be drama. brilliant. And I think of 14-1 when Ozeki is just a memory in the past and you come blazing back with a 14-1. I mean, that feels right. And if you get 14-1 at that point, you pretty much deserve it. Oh, exactly. I'm talking myself into this. Yeah, I think it's... I think we should uh, propose it in a sternly worded letter (laughs) to the JSA. Well, what does our experience tell us with our sternly worded letters? I think we need to try something different. I think we need a friendlier approach this time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, real. Frame it in a positive manner. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Use all that uh, that management training to get it through. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, how sure are you? Yep. Had a little ceremony uh, with JSA director Sakai Gawa and Odaruto, the uh, elder from the JSA, uh, to celebrate his uh, promotion to Ozeki at Tatsunami Baya in the Goya. Now, one of the things that when and you. Uh, Ozeki comes along, Mm. you and I look very, very carefully at the words they choose, the promises they make uh, in terms of their Ozeki promotion. And I want to get your reaction uh, about Hoshori, what Mm -hmm. he said. He said, I will do my utmost never to tarnish the reputation of the Ozeki rank. All right. Well, it's interesting because he's gone with a double negative there, hasn't he? Yeah. So never to tarnish. Yeah. So one way of saying that could be to uphold the reputation of the Ozeki rank, but he's already come in with a bit of a yeah, well, nego feel. It, it's, it's very much like the, the letter to the JSA. How yeah. do you frame this? You're right, he's framing this in a negative way. Yeah. Was it, uh, I want to think back, I want to say it was Shordai who might have gone in with a, with a, a similar negative framing. Mm. And how did that work out for him? I mean, it could be just being humble could be that idea of you can't go out and say, well, I'm so great now that I'm going to win everything from here on and become a Yokozuna. So they're really looking, I'm, I'm not going to do anything. Don't worry, everyone. I'm, I'm just going to get about my business and be an Ozeki. I'm not going to tarnish anything. What does uh, tarnish mean? Well, you know, to, to blemish or to I mean, I know, I know, sully. What, it, I know what it means, but isn't it um, about a metal? You're thinking of varnish? No. <laughs> I want to apply a yeah, thin to, lacquer to the Ozeki status. To dull or destroy the luster of, yeah. of or as of by air, dust or dirt. Don't know about that wow, of you, or as of. You bit. really lost it in the middle of that or are you just reading that? <laughs> I did. It says, it honestly says destroy the luster of, by or as if by. Oh, okay. I read oh, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, by or as. As if by air, dust or dirt or bad sumo. Uh, I'd like to ex- extend a special welcome to our uh, <laughs> listeners who have English as a second language. Good luck with that one. Um, so Hoshoria comes into Ozeki, as we said, uh, a position in sumo that is hard work. And obviously uh, in September he'll make his debut at that rank. And, and I thought I'll just have a little bit of a look back through some yeah. recent Ozekis and how they, their debuts were at that rank. So our last one was Kirishima back in, uh, well, he debuted in July. And, the, I mean, the Basho just passed. I remember that. Uh, and he finished with a record of six wins, seven 
losses and two days off. And of course, those two days off happened in about the middle of the, mm. of the Basho. Ends up with a losing record. It did look for a while there that he was going to be able to turn this one around, but just a couple of key losses at the end against a very good opponent saw him with that losing record. Now, Mitakeumi, March 2022. It doesn't feel that long ago. Have I got that year right? Can you check that while I talk? That, 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 that can't be right. That can't be right. I he's, think it must be 21, right? Yeah. Or before. Okay, I'm looking him up now. No, that could be right. You want to know when he became Ozeki? When he debuted Ozeki. Uh, no, it was March 2022. Wow, it feels like a long time it ago. Feels it feels like years and years ago. Mm. I know we say this a lot, but time in sumo oh. is, plus the pandemic, plus, yep. is, uh, is another frame of mind. So Mitakumi, he did not tarnish the Ozeki name mm. there. He went 11 and 4. Yeah, so kept huge. it shiny. He certainly did. Uh, Asuniyama made his Ozeki debut back in July 2020 and he went 12-3 and Jun Yusho. So powerful Ozeki debut for Asuniyama. Shodai, November 2020. Mm, mm, now that yeah. feels like a long time ago. Yeah. And another uh, Ozeki debut that was plagued by injury, three wins, two losses and 10 days off. Takakeisho similarly in his debut in May 2019, three wins, four losses, and eight days off. Mm. You do wonder about the the toll that it takes on your body to get to this uh, rank. Yeah. When you see so many of these rikishi coming in, well, so many, half of the ones we're looking at recently with uh, Kujo amongst their debut. Takiyasu, I thought I'd go back a little bit further because I had oh, no. Sumo DB open and the query was working okay. July 2017, Takiyasu stepped into the Ozeki rank with a nine and six. That's okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. But it wasn't really long after that, only two or three basho after his debut that the injury started to set in. And yeah. really, like, you look at his Ozeki record, it's punctuated with Kujo. Uh, and Terana Fuji, his debut at Ozeki, can you believe this, was all the way back in July 2015. Oh. I, I mean, mean that's, <laughs> that's, that's time with messing with our heads. No, they, were, they were simpler times, 2015, uh, and he debuted at 11 and 4. I, I guess I ask the question now, how do you think Hoshori will go at this rank? Great question. I feel like he will come in with extreme... Uh, confidence and form. We haven't seen a hint of injury from him, so I don't think he's one of the guys who's going to go down. I mean, obviously anything could happen. Uh, we don't know how he's going to front up on day one, but I, I reckon he's going to go really well, actually. I'm going to predict. And can I make a marker here? Can can we oh, pop okay. a marker in uh, right. this episode? This is my prediction. So oh that we God. can find it again, because we've never been able to find your prediction of Hoshoryu winning the Yu show <laughs> from Nagoya. Yep. We listened to hours of audio and it's no joke. We both sit in, sat in respective rooms, did transcripts of episodes and we could not find that prediction. If anyone ever finds it, let us know. But here's my prediction of what Hoshoryu is going to do next time around. Back it up with a second Yu show and he's going to go 11-4. Is 11 enough wins? No, I want to take the Yusho off. <laughs> <laughs> I want to retract the, already. That is the hugest backpedal. Yeah. Now, why the doubt? Um, I don't think it needs to play in. I think we're just talking about his score as Ozeki. I don't want to complicate things. Oh, okay. So let's just talk about his score. Yeah, 11-4 though. Okay. I'll go 10 wins. 
which I, I think a, a 10 win debut would be incredible. For yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you get to double digits, you've absolutely succeeded. Nine, six is fine. And then eight, seven is like, ooh, on the edge. Yeah. Ta- like hint of tarnish. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think he gets a chance to make a statement here. I don't think a U show is crazy. No. Look at the form there. I mean, we depends don't know. who comes back it and how does they are. depend who comes back. I, and maybe that Asaniyama injury, how that's healed up of, of mm. his arm. I think he could be a real competitor. Well, for he Hoshori. just dropped out of the Jungyo again. I, so oh, did he, he started off? Oh. Yeah. Um, and then he's gone out again, saying. I'm pretty sure, yeah. saying the injury is still yeah. uh, playing up. That was in the early days of the junior, right? Uh, I think he's just gone out again. Oh, so maybe he came back because I Yeah, heard, he came back, yep. And then he left again. I'm pretty oh, sure, geez. yep. Very, very hard to keep up with. Uh, do you want to talk us through the junior that's happening at the moment? It's great, it's great to see uh, the Rikishi taking sumo to the people. Yeah, it's lovely. They're very much back. I should say, on the tour schedule. And you can see that on the sumo.or.jp site. It's really interesting to look at where they go. They go around on uh, the train. They all travel together. There's some really great video and photos around of of where they go. They start pretty much immediately after. So they started on July 29th. They start in Aichi Prefecture, go to Shizuoka, back up to Tokyo, up to Fukushima. They don't stop there. They go all the way up to Hokkaido. So they spend four days in Hokkaido, which is a good idea. Sometimes it's just one day per place, which just must be so difficult. So I wonder, so so Nagoya Basho is in Aichi. Yep. So they start there. So do they go home between the Basho and Jungyo or they just? I think they just go straight away. Wow. The ones who are on it, at least. <laughs> but this, I mean, this Jungyo goes all the way up to August 27. Yeah. The, yeah. the Basho starts, is it 10th or 11th around there? Of... There's not much time off in between. It's a full well, I'm thinking work tra- schedule. No, I'm thinking training time. Like, does this constitute training for them? Oh, good question. Because, you know, they're doing the funny bouts. Yeah, mostly funny tired. bouts. Yeah, poking each other. Yeah. Um, having a great time. Having a laugh, meeting up with kids. Yeah, visiting kindergartens. Yeah, <laughs> so much happening. Yeah, I, don't, I guess they're training at the same time. I mean, we've seen quite a few images of going to different stables and uh, I, I guess maybe they pull people out at certain times yeah. and they can do some training. And Surely. They do go through Tokyo, but there's not much of a stop. So that was on August the 2nd. August the 3rd, they've already moved on. They're on their way to Fukushima. They're going through Ibaraki. Prefecture. So they get all the way up to Hokkaido, which was a chance for uh, Hokuseiho yep. to represent. He's from uh, Hokkaido. So, And the other person from Hokkaido, who is it who wasn't there? Ichi Yamamoto, who is um, injured, injured at the moment. Uh, whenever we go to Japan, we tend to time it around a basho. Mm. And we're going to Fukuoka in November. We're going to be there for a couple of weeks. Yes. We'll probably take in four or five days of the sumo while we're there. That said... I'm looking at this uh, Jungyo schedule. I know. I mean, this looks like a pretty banging itinerary. I know. Or to go to somewhere like Hiroshima. Yeah. That's October 28th, if you want to go there. And then uh, Nara, go and see the Jungyo Nara. That'd be really fun. So that's you could, October 20. You would be wise to get a Japan Rail Pass here. Yeah. Because this around. would be an expensive, uh, mm. a very, very expensive trip to do just on travel. 
Would you get sick of it day after day? I mean, you're seeing the same funny bouts and... Yeah, maybe you could, could go for four or five days. <laughs> maybe not. I mean, how long the is whole this? Thing, yeah, it's like... 15 days or something. Yeah, it'd be pretty intense. I wonder if anyone travels around goes to every single day. If you've done that, let us know. Let us know. Who's the longest? Who's travelled with a junior for the long, longest? There would be, I mean, very much like in the States, there's that band, The Grateful Dead. Yeah. From the oh, 70s yeah. that are still touring. That just inspire that like devotion and dedication from fans. Well, there are people called deadheads yeah. <laughs> who go to every show yeah. and and their life is just following them around, mm. going to see every show. Same thing here, sumo dorks. I reckon there'd be people who would be looking at this schedule and I would say taking time off work, but I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be working anymore. There might be older people yep. as with the deadheads. But also heaps of kids. That I just saw a photo today of um, a little girl with Miyogiryu holding his hand and the caption said something. It was translated, but it was something like, I'm so happy because she's finally got to meet her. Now, translated it as princess. Miyogiryu, the princess. I love that. Yeah. That could have been about the girl. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, you know, she finally got to meet her hero, Miyogiryu. Like that, that's really the feeling of it for me. I... I love that. Well, I finish up in Toyama, but right back at the start, they went to Shizuoka and we were uh, we were treated to something really cool at this point. They have funny bouts, but they also have like talking and singing and Q&As and things like that. And they had a Q&A on that. It was almost the second day, I think, second or third day of the Junyo in Shizuoka, where um, Atami Fuji, Midori Fuji and Wakamoto Haru got up for a Q&A and they were joined by Atami Fuji's sister, his younger sister. She's 17 years old and she is super cool. Her name's Yona Takei and she also does sumo. So so we first came across her, she was with Atami Fuji in Nagoya. Uh, No, that was for the junior. She came to the junior. That's this. I thought she was around the basho as well. I don't think so. Because Atami Fuji won the U show, right? Yeah. Did she, we see she her? She was there. She oh, was there okay. to see it. Oh, yep. nice. Okay. Um, absolute magnetic personality. Just fantastic um, person to be introduced to because she's so much in the world of sumo as well. We see these guys every day. Obviously, their lives are sumo. Obviously, uh, the only professional sumo in Japan is men's sumo. But there's very much a women's world as well. So she is the first female captain, first ever female captain of the sumo team at their high school, which is the Hiryu High High School sumo team. Uh, Midori Fuji went there, Atami Fuji obviously <laughs> went there as well. And usually the sumo captain is a boy and she is amazing at sumo and she is the first female captain. What a pioneer. Yeah. Uh, making huge strides. Now, she threw a bit of shade, though, at her brother. (laughs) Yeah. So she um, was asked, you know, who her inspiration was and, you know, everyone in the crowd settles and waits for her to say uh, her wonderful older brother who's just won the uh, Jurio Yusho. But she said Midori Fuji. Midori Fuji she knows, so he also went to the school. Um, But she went one step further and she said, I learn more from him than my brother. His quick moves into his partner's body are great to execute techniques and throws. That's very, very harsh. <laughs> you know, Atami Fuji was right there. I know, he's right there. He's like, um, 
I mean, maybe she sees more. She is a little bit smaller than a tummy Fuji. So a tummy Fuji is a really uh, big guy. It's so Midori true. Fuji is a little bit smaller. Her body type, um, I guess, is a little bit more on the small side as well. So maybe she just sees that style of sumo as more like her sumo. There are some videos floating around of her sumo and she's um, really, really great, really strong, um, very successful in the women's high school um, sumo area. Um, I came across a, an article in the Guardian newspaper. So the Guardian newspaper, you can go and read this article online. I would really, really recommend it. It's written by Yulia Shogareva. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a photojournalist and she came across women's sumo uh, while she was in Japan. She's done this amazing photo essay and article about, uh, well, she's she's uh, honed in and focused on one uh, rikishi in particular. And it just gives a great overview of women's uh, sumo in Japan. And as you said, it's women can't be professional mm. rikishi. There's, mm. there's no uh, league or there's no competition where they can make money. Um, but it, there's a, a strong, uh, what would you say, groundswell of support for female yeah. sumo in uh, Japan. And it was in 2019 that they actually introduced at the Wanpaku sumo tournament for the first time they had a female category. Yeah. Yeah. And so with changing. people like um, the Rikishi who's uh, interviewed in that Guardian article. Uh, Nana Abe. Yeah. yeah. And Yona Takei. Like, yeah. These women aren't going to sit around just no. doing the sumo that they, they can do and then kind of just fading away. Yeah. So it's really heartening to see someone like her, only 17, already you know, representing the sport so capably. But can I say how nice it is that she was on this Junyo, she was on this panel, on this Q&A panel. Yeah. Like that to me is huge. Well, she had to ask Atami Fuji a question. She was the one asking the question. Okay. But we're, get, we're getting we're there. We're getting there. We're getting, we're getting there. there. She asked him, you know, how do you train to et cetera. It was boring. And he gave a boring answer. But then she said, I'm very proud of my brother. Yeah. Happy about him winning Jurio. I hear he'll receive part of the prize money. So I've begged him to buy me a new smartphone. <laughs> so not only is she a great sports person, she uh, is wily as well. Very clever. Well, she, she also should have said, uh, I'd like you to buy me a new phone. Also, I retract the comment that I made about Midori Fuji. Atami Fuji, you are my inspiration <laughs> and hero. You're my hero. Give me a phone. Yep. So that was lovely to meet her. Takakosho's back in the junior. We saw Hoshori getting about the place. I do love seeing Hoshori uh, in these uh, more relaxed situations because he does, he does seem like a really well-loved guy and he's always laughing and smiling and having fun. And, and it's just so different to his game face. Yes. I like I, that. I love that contrast. It's cool. You know, he's this very, very serious competitor, competitor but off the doyo. Just a good mate. Yep. Wakamoto Haru's around. Yep. He's always having a lot of fun. Short Eye's always poking someone or being poked. Someone's always <laughs> bullying poor old Short Eye. Nishikigi's always there right from the start. And it was nice to see him after his, um, yeah, his situation in Nagoya, well, his success. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Absolute success. Breakout yeah. performance. I don't know why I called it a situation. Yeah. Just would have. It's fine. It's all been good. been interesting to see him win. Uh, and we also saw Toby Zaru have a, ah, a yeah. bit of an issue in the heat because it's so hot mm. in all those places, right? Yeah. So he was sparring against Fuji from memory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Passed out. Yeah. Couldn't a couple of times, hold himself up. They, mm. they said it was dehydration. Mm. So an important reminder. 
Those Japanese summers can be very, very hot. Keep your liquids up. <laughs> And go easy against Terranofuji on the hot days. I reckon. <laughs> I reckon. Well, you said you spoke before about um, great quotes. So we've already heard the uh, won't tarnish, never never tarnishing the repu- reputation of the Ozeki rank from Hoshoryu. I've got a couple of other quotes for you that I, sure. I want to run by you. So Mitakuyumi, in Nagoya, he had what in Australia we call a shocker. <laughs> Real bad time of it. He finished three and twelve. He he looked despondent. Yeah, it, there was not a lot, um, not a lot of heart in those twelve losses. I've mm. got to say, and you know, I like to look for the silver lining on losses, but those twelve losses weren't good. Yes, so we know he's had a tricky time of it. His grandmother died. His father died, and he has spoken. I mean, he hasn't spoken out a whole lot about it, but he said that it was like for everyone, or not everyone, but for many people when uh, people close to them die, it's so difficult. And to continue on in a sport at the top rank must be very difficult to find that that inspiration. So he said again that that was a very, very difficult time for him. He's gone back to his hometown to pray and to say sorry to his father for his terrible performance, which just Ooh, that's sad. dabs me in yeah, the heart. That's very sad. But he's come back. He said he's got a newly determined mental state. And uh, here's his. So yeah. that they're his words? Uh, yes. So I just want to. That's wanna, the first quote. I okay, just yeah. want to dig into that a little bit. Okay. Because is it a determined mental state that's oh. new? Oh, wow. Or is it a mental state that is newly determined and doesn't speak to the quality of the mental state? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Because there are two meanings that, that determined could mean here. So we don't we don't know. Well, one we, is more uh, one is more positive than the other because if it's a newly determined yeah. mental state, newly worked out, yeah. we don't know what we don't the mental know what the mental state is. State is. Yeah. it well, could it could be bad. It could be bad, but it's newly. <laughs> it could be determined. still sad. Yeah, it could be still sad. Well, let's see if this quote okay. also from him clears it up. I have a goal in mind, and it's not about the numbers. Interesting. Well, I love this. Interesting. I love this. It's too basic to try to put numbers on sumo. Yeah. And I think he's probably realised that. And that's a point you get to. I feel like we were talking about this maybe last Basho, where it feels like you need to keep a shadow score that actually shows the the performance, which would be half points for a good loss. Mm. But he's gone one step beyond that and said numbers don't matter. Mm. Wow, I need time to sit well, with Well, when this. you get 312, I reckon it's a smart thing to say. <laughs> Yep. I, I hadn't considered it in that light. I think you might be right about that. Don't even that. think about it. Don't even score me next time. Like don't even take note of whether I win or not because the rest of this quote is, I don't want just a good score. I'm aiming to win the championship. Okay. Well, look, I, I think that's admirable. I do think there is a correlation between score and winning the championship that he might need yeah, to. We might have to do some might have to, wins and losses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating thesis to dig into, though. I like this. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I like feel it like he, something's happened. He, he's, he's gone beyond his previous understanding of sumo and uh, numerology. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. Uh, so what do you think his newly determined mental state is? Well, yeah, numbers don't matter. So I think that's going to leave some space for him to just to think about sumo. Yeah. 
And if you're not thinking about numbers, you're taking it one day at a time. Yep. So I think this bodes really well. Going back to that opening quote, I think it's a determined state of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's new. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think he sounds Gee, very interesting. determined. Interesting. He wants a you show, another you show. He wants to return to Sanyaku. This is perhaps, he's not always been known as someone who will come out and say that. That's exactly right. Uh, he's been, you know, a little bit quiet. He's been known perhaps for a little bit of uh, not preparing as well as he perhaps could have, but he's come out, he's maybe moved to a point in his his grief and his recovery from that situation where he is not happy with his own performance. Yeah. Maybe he's accepted it himself, you know. A 312 is pretty challenging. It's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. And Look, I, I, you know, he's this taking inspiration. Yeah, and and I think this could be the kick that he needs. Yeah. I, I, I'm fascinated to watch him in September now. Yep, because he can be so good if he yeah, just lets he the body take over. Yeah, exactly. Um, he could go uh, very, very well. Nishikigi was also someone we heard about in between. Of course, he's got a new found. He's always been popular, very popular, but there's been some articles written about him and I didn't know that he loved baseball (laughs) first. That was his, he wanted to sort of, the Yakult Swallows, the Tokyo team were his team. Um, But he didn't have a team in his his high school, so he decided to go for sumo. He had a body for sumo. Uh, he started off, he went through um, school with Ryuden, Tochinoshin and Shohozan. Wow. Um, And they all like went like heaps quicker than him. <laughs> they all got success, but he was just very nishikigi about it. He's well like, oh, well, I'll, I'll get there eventually. Well, and he the, did. Yeah, I mean, the renaissance of, of nishikigi has just been a joy to behold. It yep. feels like not all that long ago we were watching him in Jurio going, he mightn't get back. Yeah. Like just to the top division. Yeah. He's 32 years old. This is his highest rank after 103 tournaments. Starting in 2006. And he's Sanyaku. He's done it. Well, I mean, we haven't seen the Bunsuke yet. But oh, if they don't, I will no, no. never watch a sumo <laughs> again. He will be in the Sanyaku. No <laughs> doubt about it. And his quote is, just very humble. If it's good at the end and I finish well, that's what matters. I mean, that's a different... And thank you for contrasting that against Mitakumi's quote. I see what you did there. They're an interesting contrast. He's basically saying numbers don't matter too. Yeah. But they they are a very efficient way to judge the performance. Yeah, that's right. And to say whether you did good at the end. Is he talking about though, if I finish well, that's what matters, like in a tournament, oh, in a so show, or in his career? Oh, that's interesting. Or like in one oh, bout, no. like if I finish the bout off well and get a win. He could be talking about all of those three things. But I think in this case, in this context, oh, I can't even say. Well, I think he's talking about his career because last time in July, he finished with four losses. That was understandable because, um, you know, he was in the U show race and he was up against everyone good at the end. So I, I don't think he's talking that specifically. I no. think he's talking... Very generally. Well, I would, if I was applying that to the Basho, I'd say, well, yeah, he lost the last four days, but his score was 11-4 from top of my Gashira. I mean, that's that's good. Yes, that's good. Yeah. So it's that level there, I think, because I'm always on the lookout with these older, he's only 32, so I actually can't take that as a, 
um, anything to do with a retirement or anything. But no. what it does make me think is that he's someone who might not continue on for a long time going lower and lower and lower, that he wants to, you know, he wants to just keep achieving. He's only 32. Yeah, I know. I'm going too early on. He Just that you mentioned retirement, you know, when, when he was down in Juria and we were thinking that sure. he might not get back. He's never missed uh, a basho with an injury. He, he did, there's been one occasion in July last year where he went QJO for the final three days, but still finished with a winning score. He's a ricochet who's not really troubled by injury mm. and his style of sumo doesn't put his body at risk like mm, other ricochet I can think of. I would say that he'll, he'll fight well past 35, 36. Yeah, you'd have to think so. Mm. Nishikigi. It was nice to find out a bit more about him and just to remember again what an achievement it is for him to um, finally hit Sanyaku. Yeah, so, so good to see. Well, a bit of surprising news came out after the Basho concluded is that old favourite Akiseyama called it a day he retired. And I don't think I've ever seen so many photos flood out, so many tributes so much love for this guy. I think he caught my eye very early on um, when we started watching Sumo because he didn't, he just had a different approach to, yeah. to his bouts. His body looked different. He wasn't, um, wasn't fast. He wasn't necessarily powerful, but he could find ways to win. Felt like he'd been around forever. Um, it's, I was the same. I felt like after that retirement was called, I haven't seen an outpouring like this for so long. What was it that people connected to with Akisayama? Well, I think it's it's everything you say. I mean, I think, you know, his body does look really interesting and you sort of wonder how he can put it to use, but he really does. And he caught everyone's eye, perhaps in the Western sumo world, I guess, when he did come up to Makuchi finally. Um, in 2020, he found his success. So he started, uh, he's 38 years old. He's been in sumo for a long time. He's had a 15 and a half year career. So he wow. started in 2008. Now remember that's after Nishikiri. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's 92, Basho. Nishikigi 103. Yeah. He's had 472 wins, which is nearly a majority. <laughs> <laughs> and he started off really quickly. So he's from Nagoya, uh, went to Nihon University, got to Makushita in four basho and to Jurio in only two years in November 2010. And that's when he changed his uh, Shikona to Kiseyama. And he uses the set kanji from Kisebea, which is where he's from. So that uh, explained that Chikona, but he wasn't able to get to Makuchi at that point because he had a hernia. Now he has had a lot of um, issues during his career. And one of those was his eyesight as well. Mm. Uh, but a hernia is difficult to do sumo with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, he was on that meteoric rise, wasn't he? He um, got to Jurio. Well, meteoric's probably... Uh, an overst <laughs> overstatement, but yeah, like when he got there, it wasn't like he set the world on fire. So an eight, seven, eight, seven. And then it feels like after that, that injury might've been 
plaguing his sumo a little and he went 4-11, then 2-13. Yeah. So he bounced around Jurian Makushta for a while, but then in 2020 he had retina surgery. So before that he really just seems like he couldn't see. <laughs> Again, similar to Nishikigi. Nishikigi. <laughs> yeah. But it really seemed to make a difference when he came back and he started to beat people. Now, this is down in Jurio at this time, but people who've gone on to achieve extreme success. So Kodnawaka, Wakamoto Haru, Midori Fuji, Nishikigi, he beat all those guys and he came back into Makuchi. He originally got there in 2016. We said he didn't have success, but he came back in January 2021, started with a six-win streak. Now, do you remember that? That was when people were like, oh, my God, Akisayama Yusho. It was those first few days when everyone gets really, really excited. And plus it was January and anything can happen in January. exactly. And um, he finished fine. Uh, He finished... um, Uh, 9-6. Yeah, on day 15 he was 9-5. He was in line with the Fighting Spirit Prize. He came up against Kagiyaki. There was a big um, Amiuchi, which he won... But then there was a Monoe, Torinawashi, and he lost. So no fighting spirit prize um, and finished nine and six. But he was like on the precipice there of going 10-5, fighting spirit. Really. that's such a pity, isn't it? Could have been. I mean, there's no point talking about what could have been. But it showed that at that point he... He just was in good form, moved to his highest rank of Magashira 12. And and there's something about... The return to Makuchi can be the the Yusho yeah. for someone. Yeah. And I think for Akisayama to, as you said, he went, I think he was only in Makuchi for one Basho, went 4-11 or something yep. like that, disastrous yep. score. So for him to come back, not only, I mean, 9-6, but to be even spoken about a special prize and to do so well, I mean, that's the thing that he'll remember. Yeah, and I think this was a very long answer to that question of why is he very popular with with Western sumo fans in particular. And I think that Basho just really sold him. We were just like, here's this guy just really achieving, just doing really well and it was great to see. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the, the Western sumo world just rocked by this announcement though. Yeah, I know. Well, he then got um, his jaw broken, remember that? And that was oh, something else that made us really feel for that. him. So yep. Chiatariu whacked him in the face. Um, he broke his jaw. He tried to fight on, actually, and then couldn't. Had to pull out, dropped to Makushta and never uh, recovered. I like that he um, – so he finished in Nagoya. He chose to retire after the Nagoya basho. I like that he came back one more time at Makushta 16 to his – Hometown. And he, yeah, his hometown. He finished on five and two. Yeah. You know, I mean, that would put you towards the top of Makushta. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, but as you said, like piling up injuries, he's 38 years old. It was time. Yeah. I think it seems like with that one, we often look for those clues as to why they've chosen to do it at certain times. Yeah. I think for that one, it was about being in Nagoya one more time. So, so beautiful. And I love that he finished at five and two. He's going to coach at Kisebeya, his uh, stable, as Izutsu Oyakata. Okay. So that sounds familiar. That's the elder stock from the mother-in-law of Shimano Shimimi, who... I just worry about a little bit because Shimanumi's gone right down to the bottom of Jurio. He will presumably get it when he retires. So, so where does I'm that worried leave? about a Kisayama's. A Kisayama. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't have to. He'd have to find something else. I suspect he may be keeping the kabu warm. Yeah. You know, 
I but don't I don't think, want to see him go. No, I think he'll he'll probably stay on as a coach, but I don't think he'll be Oyakata. Oh, maybe. But can you do that? Just have one for a little bit, and then. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's probably getting a you know a bit of a kickback, you know, to take it on. <laughs> yeah. But oh, yeah. With the understanding, he's got to give it to Shimonomi. Shimonomi. Oh, yeah. Shimonomi. Shimonomi. Come on. Come on. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe Shimonomi will come back. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I'll keep it positive. He will definitely make a comeback. Um, shall we listen to some sumo karaoke? Yes, please. All right. Let's jump into it. So with the return of the uh, Senshuraku party, oh, yeah. obviously the after Basho parties got put on hold uh, during the pandemic and they were quite slow to come back, but they are back in full force. And uh, so lots of material to draw from this time around. I've got a little performance uh, from Shordai. Short I? Yes. Oh, what a gift. Thank I you. Know. I'm taking this as a personal gift. Uh, let's take a listen. He's performing uh, a song by the Japanese rock act T Bolin, and the song is called Hanashi Taku Wanai or I Don't Want to Release You. <laughs> What a hero. What a commitment. Absolute commitment. Not necessarily a commitment to the melody. Well, I mean, he has a very unique relationship with pitch. Yeah. But his rhythm's great. Rhythm, spot on. That's syncopated. The rhythm's not easy. Nope. He's spitting out those words. And people, I think people often underestimate the importance of rhythm yeah. in singing. Yep. A, a good vocalist is a good uh, rhythmicist. Is that the way, can you say that? But it's not just about pitch, it's about doing the note at the right time. The feel on that was sublime. Oh, the feel was great. Feel was good. And when he got higher, I got worried. I got really worried. But actually he he hit a few of those high notes. He did. Right at the end. He got really close. Yeah, he gave it a shot. So we were a bit confused about this song. Yeah. Because... You were sure that we've we've uh, presented this song before with yeah. a different vocalist, and the reason I know is because I swear I have walked around the so- the house yeah, singing. before singing every day, which I've been doing since, since this since we've been listening. Yeah, to try the song. not to sing that song. Um, 
it was to the point where I messaged the band that I played to go, hey, can you listen to this song and tell me if it's been lifted from a Western song? But no one had heard it. Right. Um, let me tell you a little bit about the song. So, so the, the band that performed it is called T. Boland, or I should say were called T. Boland. They don't really exist anymore. And that name was actually inspired by the band T-Rex, whose singer is called Mark Boland. Mm. So T. Boland is the name of the band. They could have gone with Rex Mark also, yeah. but not as good. Rex M. Rex M. Um, so T. Boland, they uh, debuted in the mid-90s, but their singer and songwriter, Arashi Moritomo, he suffered um, throat problems. Right. So they, they debuted in about 95. They had a string of successful singles. His doctor told him that he needed to give up singing in 1996. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So at the top of their game, they, they stopped making music. He rested his voice for 14 years. Wow. So 2010, he came back with a solo career and I think people liked it, but they wanted to hear some T-Bowl. And so, uh, Moritomo-san got the band back together in 2012 for a big national tour, but they've been extremely quiet since then. And what was the name of that song? Uh, it's called, I Don't Want to Release You. Why isn't it called Every Day, Every Night? Well, they, they sing that tag at the end of the chorus, but I mean, it should be called Every Day, Every Night. I think so. Sumo every day, every night. Yeah. Short eye every day, every... Oh, that's... The, the song was released... This particular uh, song was released, what did I say, in 1991. Yep. So this was their first big single, 18th of December. Short eye was born November 5, 1991. So Short eye was only 43 days old <laughs> when this song was released. So <laughs> you make of that what you will. Nice electric piano on the backing track as well. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I couldn't tell you about the backing track because the vocal was so mesmerising. Uh, I heard it all together. I think yeah, he blended no, I... so well. He created a real masterpiece with that one. Yeah, some beautiful, beautiful stuff there from Shade. Let's move on. Um, now, this is a name that might be not familiar with so many people, and that's Huck – oh, sorry, I should say Hokuwazan. Yes. Not Hakuwazan. Yep. Hokuo-san, a.k.a. Hajiwara, Mm. Uh, a very, very beautiful piano player, this uh, young rikishi. So we're going to hear a performance from his pre-sumo days. And this is La Campanella. The Little Bells. The Little Bells by Franz Liszt. Yes. very much a classical music person. You, you play in an orchestra. Your job is in classical music radio. How do you interpret that performance? It's really, really good. So this piece is known as 
being one of the hardest piano pieces to play, usually a a hand span can get about an octave on a piano. Yep. And I'm sure a big sumo hand could get more, although the fingers are fatter. The fingers are wider. Well, can I say at this point, this is an old video. This oh, is yeah. pre-sumo. Uh-huh. So pre-sumo conditioning. He looks like a very young man in a nice suit, but he's not carrying any weight. So no weight, but still probably a big... He's a big guy. Tall guy. Yes. Right. So he's probably got the hand span, but his fingers are a little bit smaller, which means easier to play. So usually about an octave, maybe an octave and one note. Um, But this has, you have to do that. You could hear that swapping between the notes. You have to go over two octaves. The biggest one is two octaves. So there's that note at the top repeating and the other notes move. Really? And you're flipping your hand around, Whoa. your right hand. So he's doing it really, really well. It's not the fastest rendition of this I've ever heard, but it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's really, really well played. It's originally, a, um, if you know Paganini, the um, one of his violin concertos as well, and he was known for writing really fast, ferocious, hard-to-play violin music as well. So transferring that to the piano, um, so it's also technically very hard. So if I've got that right, list, what, took a theme from a Paganini very song? Very common in classical music, yep. So not unlike what uh, AK-69 did with um, <laughs> Warren G's Regulate for his latest single. Exactly. Jeez, it's funny the way that these echoes through time keep happening. Classical music, sumo theme songs. Amazing. Amazing. Now, so very impressive. So, yeah. so I just think he's playing so well. He was known to be a really good pianist yeah. back in high school, university, was it? Yeah, and I think this would have been taken from university. Mm. Um, but some sad news. Only this week, uh, Hokawazan, aka Hajiwara, retired. Yeah. So and he's already had his done patsushiki. It's because he was down um, in Makushda. He finished. Well, off no, he finished. He. Oh, yes, because he's been out for ages. He he finished fighting in November 2021. He was at Makushta 35, and then he he was Kujo for six Basho, which saw him leave the ranks, essentially, uh, in November 2022. So it was an injury that I I can't quite remember the injury. Was it elbow? I'm not sure. I've forgotten what the injury is, but um, has called it quits on... Yeah, a career that I felt had a lot of potential. Uh, And he's only very, very young still. Yeah, people were really, really excited about Mm. his career as he started to uh, rocket up (laughs) the charts. Uh, He was uh, was really promising at Naruto Bayar, but um, yeah, obviously couldn't get past that injury. He's a half Turkish Mm. rikishi. Um, Yeah, he's only 26 years old. And another rikishi from Hokkaido to go along with Hokuseho. Right. Okay, well, that's bringing us in to the final selection for sumo karaoke today. Uh, and we have someone who did quite well last basho, and that is Hokuto Fuji. Oh. Doing a rendition of the song Pen, Pineapple, Apple, Pen. Oh. 
นะผมเอาปุ๊บBrilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Love it. Love it with every fiber of my being. Absolute commitment to the part. Yeah. Um. So this song came out seven years ago. Yeah, it, I, I remember it. It passed me by. I've got to say. Yeah, right. It it did the online rounds. It well, you know, it, it absolutely did. It was released as a YouTube video first. Um, back in August. Uh, 2016, so yeah, about seven years old, and we're measuring the success of this video in the hundreds of millions of views mm. on YouTube. So extremely viral, extremely big. At that point uh, in August 2016, Hokuto Fuji was coming off his 10-5 Jurio debut.、Mm-hmm. So easy to see the emotional connection to this song. <laughs> so this song was originally performed by. Kiko Taro. He's a fictional singer-songwriter, a character of the comedian、uh, Daimao Kosaka, and very much people were thinking this was the、uh, spiritual successor to Gangnam Style. Uh-huh. I don't think was it at the same time.、Uh, no, no, it was, it was about three or four years later.、Uh-huh. I think I think the world was hungry for a novelty song from the east.、Mm. I, I wouldn't put these songs in the same category though. Gangnam Style was like a A proper song. This is more of a、um, novelty song. Gangnam Style was a so- well, song. Gangnam Style was a song. I think Sai was a comedian though, wasn't he? Oh, was he? Well, comedian musician, I think. Well, he was clever to pair it with a dance as well. Yeah, I actually, in my research for this, just let myself watch a little bit of Gangnam Style. Oh, did you treat yourself? I, it holds up surprisingly well. Yeah. There's just a brilliant scene. So I clicked it halfway through the song. He, he's Sai's on the waterfront, and there's this like. <laughs> There's girls doing like exercises and squatting. Yeah. And there's just a bit where one girl, like the camera, focuses on her ass, and then it goes to Sai in slow motion, just screaming silently. <laughs> oh yeah, with yeah. his hand up to his、yeah. mouth, is it? <laughs> really, really timeless stuff.、Um, so the interesting thing about this song, it weighs in at. Uh, 45 seconds long. The original version is 45 seconds. I think what we heard there is the whole song. Right. Well, the whole doesn't ar- it start to add more things to it. So the original version、yeah. was that, and、right. then I think after it blew up, they then did a single release、right. that was more your, your kind of three minute,、mm-hmm. and that that's probably the version that a lot of people know. But that was the original thing that blew up. So it it went into the Guinness Book of World Records. Because it charted in the American Billboard chart, this song, <laughs> and it became the shortest song to ever enter the Billboard 100. No way.、Um, but interestingly, it's since been、uh, that record has been broken by a shorter song that only scraped in at number 100, and that song is by Ki-、uh, Kid Cudi. Yeah. So you might know Kid Cudi from. The song "Pursuit of Happiness" that he did with、M- MGMT, I was like, "How is King Cudi putting out Kid Cudi? I should say, putting a song out that's thirty-seven seconds long, that's getting in the charts." Can I play it for you? Yeah, maybe you can try to help me out with this. Yep.
Right, that's it. Well, that's it. But that's an intro to an album or something, It right? is, That's yeah. the start of... Yeah. But it charted itself by itself. So, yeah, I, I guess now the Billboard charts obviously takes in streams. Uh, so, and I imagine that it would have been the same with um, Pineapple Pen. Yeah. But, I mean, if a song like that gets in the charts, it's like <laughs> the, the system's a little bit broken. Yeah. Because you're right, that's just a sound collage that kicks off a record. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was quite nice. It was good. I mean, it was fine. I wanted to see, hear what came next. Yeah, well, you can check it out. I can't quite remember the album that it came from, but it's 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 a later album for Kid Cudi, and um, uh, the song's called "Beautiful Trip" or that that piece mm-hmm. of music. Uh, and the record is very much a uh, it's part of a three record cycle where it's very much an introspective journey that Kid Cudi is on at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I don't well, know what the to, record would be like. Back to Hokuto Fuji. He had his finger on the pop culture yeah, he certainly pulse did. then if yeah. he's covering that song. Yeah, he really, really did. And also I like his commitment to the uh, huh. I know. He, I know. He goes for that. Some the, people might skip it. There's a great, the video of this, um, I mean, you, you almost don't have to see it because you can imagine it. Hokuto Fuji Standing in his power. Yeah. <laughs> Spotlighted. <laughs> Just eyeballing the camera. He knows where the camera is. <laughs> or the smartphone. Would as it we have been say. at karaoke? Yeah, it was yeah. a karaoke. Yeah. All right. That's it for karaoke corner this time around. Thank you for indulging me. Uh, we'll bring it back next time as well. Well, we wanted to just bring something to uh, your attention if you haven't heard of this already. And I imagine that a lot of sumo fans will be across this already, but it's Gagamaru's YouTube channel. So Gagamaru, um, an ex-rikishi who has been out of the sport for quite a while now. Yeah, it's been a long time actually. And he is still around the traps. He's he's also famous for losing like a lot of weight. So he was a massive guy. Are you pulling up his record? Yeah. So when did I, he start? He was. So he debuted in January two thousand and six, uh, and he actually retired in it was November twenty twenty after sitting out for three basho. So yeah, by the end of twenty nineteen, really, it was over for Gagamaru. He was a hundred and. 98 kilograms. Mm. And I think I've heard him say in one of his videos that he went over 200 yeah. at um, at some time. Maybe it wasn't measured for an actual basho. But... Uh, he was over 200 in 2010. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yep. So he was. So massive. He's Georgian. He has turned out to be an absolute character and has started his own YouTube channel. And I guess because he knows, you never really know or have an insight into a lot of the relationships between the guys, between the rikishi. You're not sure who respects who, who's friends with who. Sometimes we find out a bit about that through, you know, the junior coverage or something like that or an article. But I never knew once he retired whether he would just, you know, go back to Georgia and have another life or whether he'd continue in the sumo world. And what's it's turned out is that he's very much still continuing in the sumo world, but almost becoming a bit of a sumo journalist, but a sumo journalist with access to everybody because he knows everybody and he certainly knows Hakuho. So journalist, ambassador. Yeah, Friend of Sumo yeah, Gagamaru. Totally. So yeah, I, I watched this video this morning. Um, it's of it's at Miyagino Bea. Yep. Gagamaru 
Hakuho sitting around the nabe pot, eating, talking. And I've got to say, this is probably one of the most insightful Hakuho interviews that I've seen. It was really good, wasn't it? It was really, really good. He was asking him, you know, about his, just a lot about his career and about how he felt about certain aspects of it. Huckahall seemed to have his defences down. And yep. I think this must speak a lot about the friendship and trust he has with Gagamori, which is kind of mind-blowing, seeing these two sit across from each other, two very different careers in sumo. But Huckahall saying, you know, there were times towards the end of my career where I just didn't sleep. Mm. You know, and he'd have to take sleeping tablets to get to sleep before his bouts. Yeah. I mean, Huckahall does not show vulnerability. Yep. So for Gagamaru to to get this out of him, journalist is exactly the right word. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Gagamaru was there with his wife, his father-in-law. They were just all sitting around being served. They had Hakuoho come in and give his Hakuoho impression. What I've, did you I, think of that? I, I've heard a lot of talk about how good Hakuoho's Hakuoho impression is. <laughs> i got to say, I was completely underwhelmed. <laughs> he was doing... Uh, the speech that he gives about how when he came into yeah. sumo he was 62, 62 yeah. kilograms and he was just a small guy. and I mean, he made his voice deep, I suppose, and he spoke a little it. bit yeah. slower the way yeah. Hakuho speaks. <laughs> Everyone loves it. They're all applauding. Well, Hakuho seemed to love it. Hakuho loves it. Well, imagine Hakuho that, you know, maybe a little bit of a narcissist. <laughs> just Yeah, I know. but Loving people. I don't know. Pretending I, to be him. I don't think it's any secret. He's that, prodigy. That with the way Huckahall finished his career, mm. it left it left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Mm. Um, absolute undisputed champion, best ever, uh, greatest of all time. I just didn't like the way he was getting a bit rough at the end. So f- for me personally to see this, I'm like, oh, so much to love about this guy. Yeah, it was really endearing. Yeah, it and was. And Gagamaru was, really was the one bringing it out of him. Before that, he goes to Takasagobaya. This is his first video with English subtitles. So this is the really, really great thing about these videos. There are two now, this Miyaguno one we're talking about, plus the Takasagobaya one, where he's captioned it. And... He's saying that he wants to. On his channel, he says he wants to transmit the excellence of sumo to the world. Okay. That is so great. That's what we want. That's what we're asking for. That, that I mean, that's an absolute shot across the bow, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. To the JSA. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And oh. it's it's down and dirty. It's not amazingly produced. You know, the, the sound isn't amazing or anything. It's just him getting in there with a, another guy on a camera and filming what's actually going on. He spoke to Ishizaki. He spoke to Asaniyama. It was so great. I know we're, we're jumping around a little bit here. We are going to talk about Sumo Primetime in a little bit. Um, I would argue the production on this is way better. Oh, yeah. I, I think the, the translation's better. I think the sound's better. The picture's better. It's just a little bit, it's warmer. It's warmer, that's for sure. Um, so... You got Gagamaru out there going, let's bring sumo to the world. Hakuho is currently in Canada. Yeah, for the Japan Festival. <laughs> I, I don't mean, know about it. <laughs> we have a Japanese festival in Melbourne. Can, can we have Hakuho? Well, maybe somebody just wrote on the off chance, you know, they're all sitting around together and they're like, oh, let's just write to Hakuho to see if he'll come to the Canadian Japan Festival. And he's like, yeah, I'll go. 
So maybe someone from Australia needs to write. Yeah, well, we can be those people. Um, <laughs> of course, Gagamaru was at uh, Dallas Sumo Club uh, very recently. And Hakuho, his trip in Canada at the moment, I've heard rumours that he dropped by the Toronto uh, Sumo Club yep. and did some sparring. Yeah, if you're at the Toronto Sumo Club, tell us yeah, what happened. Yeah, please, we need to know what happened there. He also went to a children's hospital and an elderly, an aged care facility. He would be scaring the elderly, wouldn't he? <laughs> I think they I mean, loved imagine him. getting to the end of your life. You're in a retirement home <laughs> and then Huckahall walks in. Yeah. You'd be like, well, I've lost it. Yeah. Do you know? I'm, I'm hallucinating. I'm hallucinating. <laughs> we need to He's dial so back these meds. He's personable now, yeah, though. I, I reckon know. they would have loved it. He would have told a few stories. I mean, all in Japanese. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice, dear. Who is this guy? I don't, God, I don't mind. He's brought some biscuits. No, but in all seriousness, you know, you start to put these things together and there feels like a bit of a groundswell of taking sumo to the world again. And I if, guess that's what I'm trying to say here because yeah. Gagamari's channel has 43.8, well, nearly 44,000 subscribers. Subscribers, okay. Sumo Primetime, which is still yeah. coming out weekly, has nearly 35. Less than Gagamaru, I should say. Like, Gagamaru has done some amazing job to get this. Well, it's interesting. Sumo Primetime. So I watched my second and third episode this morning because I watched the first one. I thought, this isn't for me. Mm. Um, it felt like it was talking down to us. And I was like, what's the audience for this? Um, and it is reflecting in the video numbers a little bit. So the videos I watched were the Kaisei tour of Ryugaku, which was quite good. Ryugaku. Ryu Goku, yep. and the Tochi no Shin interview. Mm. So the, the Tochi interview came out a few days ago, was sitting on 16,000 views. The Kaisei one was sitting on about 40, and they mostly sit around that 40 mark, apart from a special they did on Ochiai, now Hakuoho, which is at 250K mm. views. Yep. Very, very popular. Yeah. Goes through his 15 days in Nagoya. Does it? Yeah. yeah. So it shows each of his bouts. And uh, Hero talks about each of them day by day. See, easy one to make that one. Well, easy one to make. And maybe that's the content they should be focusing on. Yeah. Look, I really enjoyed, I haven't been watching it either. And then I started to watch it and I'm enjoying them much more than I thought I would because I also find it's um, a little bit maybe patronising and talking down, but mm. I do, I am able to cherry pick out some facts that yeah. I didn't know. So it is bringing me information I didn't know. Found out about um, Kaisei's Danpatsushiki is coming up on October the 1st. Tochinoshin's is next year, February the 4th. Um, we, we heard some insights into Tochinoshin's career as well oh. about how he felt like he wanted to seize the moment more and concentrate on his career and his sumo more. He said he had too much fun outside the ring, whatever well, that means. I, I thought it was a, a really insightful interview and I thought Tochinoshin spoke so beautifully about life and about sumo. But, yeah, that really affected me at the end saying, mm. you know, looking back at his career now, his regret is that he didn't put in more work. And, you know, it's not that, you know, he said, well, it's just because I had too much fun outside of sumo. But obviously he worked incredibly hard to get to Ozeki. I think it's just that feeling of going, Oh, I, you could always do more. Yeah. But whether or not that's realistic or not. Yeah. Like he needs to go out and have fun and have a life. Um, but yeah, I thought it was quite good. Hero, you know, a, another person who's so well respected amongst the Rikishi and, and again, he gets great mm. content out of them. 
my, my thing with Sumo Primetime is there's just some things in there I find a, a bit awkward. I think it's being produced as a Japanese TV show. Is it? Whereas it should be produced maybe a little bit more with the foreign is audience it? in mind. Yeah, it's a little bit too, you know, movements together and... Yeah, the um, bit... The bit where he goes, oh, I'm going to Funny test. Bits. I'm going to test my strength against Tochi Noshin, and Tochi Noshin just goes straight onto Hiro's jeans belt. Yeah, picks him up by the the top of the jeans. Yeah, and I don't need like, to say that. I mean, just like lifting a child out of a obviously. Cot. I mean, obviously. I mean, what did Hiro think he was going to do? Yeah, and, and it <laughs> we was... did the same thing with Kaisei as well, and Kaisei absolutely yeeted him out oh, of the doyo of the old. Kokogikan area. <laughs> this, I, I lost it. The speed at which Hiro left the doyo yeah. towards the camera. Like these guys should be being careful with him, yeah, but I they're know. not. They're just like, hoik. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, He was rubbing his arm as he spoke about <laughs> the bout. But, yeah, another questionable showing from Hiro. I just don't think it's the fact that, I don't know, when he was being picked up by Tochi Noshin, he was just giggling and cuddling him. It was <laughs> yeah, just... he did cuddle him. I'll probably do the same. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's something f- I just But felt- don't you think it's being produced in that Japanese kind of game show yeah, style it is. I, I, a little bit and maybe it could be. Maybe yeah, people love that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, seeing that Gagamaru seemingly independently is producing videos that are doing better mm. and I think probably provide fans with better insight. Mm. Yeah, I, I do think there's a bit of an audience question that Sumo Primetime has yet to answer. Any coverage in English that can grow the the sport outside of Japan, I, I completely welcome. I just kind of think if you just cut two or three minutes out, it could be so much better. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to say was hit both of those up with a follow if you oh, don't absolutely. already on YouTube, yep. because we really want to show that there is that audience. Um, and, and, you know, just pop the, even if you don't want to watch the videos, just pop them on and give them a, yeah, a view so that, uh, especially Gagamaru, so that he keeps producing this yeah. this content and goes to heaps of different stables and hooks up with different Rikishi and, and uh, asks them all the questions that we all want to ask. Well, we might have come to the end. We're, oh, we're going to talk briefly about Jurio promotions. You hear about that straight after um, each Basho finish. So it's really, really good news for Nishonozeki Bea who um, I follow quite closely. So Ono Sato, he's 23 years old. It's his third basho. He is um, the big hope or one of the big hopes of Nishona Seki Baya. Maybe he wouldn't have expected four losses already in his career, but he has moved up to Juria oh, now. Gonna, this is going to be so, so interesting. It really is uh, going to be interesting to see how he goes. And it's the thing with Jurio, you lose, you know, it feels like every basho you lose people, but there's always these youngsters coming up, having their first go. Uh, another one, Takahashi yeah. coming in too is going to be hugely exciting. And from the same hair. Yep. Yep. Big success there. Just a wave of Rikishi coming out of there at the moment. And someone else from Miyagino as well. There's so many of them now. It's uh, Mukai Nakano. He's changed his Shikona to Tenshoho. Can I say? I'm a big fan of this. Oh, you like it? Yeah. Well, because we do the Jurio live yeah. calls. I never loved McCain the <laughs> yeah. It was very, very hard. Very hard. If he gets in a uh, fast-paced oh. bout with a lot going on, I'm in trouble. Yep. Big yep. old trouble. Tenshoho, I can say he's 20 years old. His 15th basho, a little bit slow getting to Jurio. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Ishizaki. Yeah. Is in Jurio. He's changed his name to Asakoryu. Mm. Can I say? That name has the ring of a champion. Doesn't it? Oh, yeah. 
Ozeki Asakoryu. I mean, I guess for an obvious reason. Obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. He's from Takasago Bay, which is a sunny Amas, hence the Asa. Uh, so that's two Shikona changes that we're going to have to get on top of for no, the, but, uh, this time around. It's very rare, though, that there are two that I really get behind. That you like. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. And Toki Hayate is back from Tokitsukaze Beya Shorai's stable. Uh, he won the Makushita Yusho, so we're looking forward to him coming back and hopefully doing better than his 6'9 at Jirio in May. He will do better, don't worry. Yep. Okay, well, I reckon that might wrap us up for our very first instalment of Talking Sumo. Hope you enjoyed it. We covered a lot. <laughs> we did. We had a lot but to say. There's so much to talk about. Uh, let us know what you're thinking about sumo at the moment. And the Banzuke is coming up. So uh, it's on about Monday. A week. Monday, Monday week. week. Yep. Monday week. We'll be back for that. And then we'll be with you every day for the Aki Basho in September. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Yeah, I'm